For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. I'm proud. I'm proud. I am proud. I'm proud to be Union Strong. To be Union Strong. Be Union Strong. Be Union Strong. I'm a teacher, and I'm Union Strong. I wouldn't have it any other way. Addressing climate change presents all sorts of opportunities for workers and for unions, but it also puts many good union jobs at risk of elimination, which is why the state must maintain flexibility. As New York State continues to work to reduce emissions and combat climate change, the New York State AFL-CIO has made clear that protecting the rights and interests of workers and their unions must be a priority. On this podcast, we sit down with a leader from the United Steel Workers to talk about the importance of keeping manufacturing jobs here in New York State. Joining me on the podcast now is Dave Wasura, who's the assistant to the director for United Steelworkers District 4. Dave, thanks for being back on the podcast with us. Welcome. Great to be back. Thank you, Darcy. And I want to remind people, so your members work throughout the Northeast, right? Correct. Yeah. District 4 covers from Buffalo to Maine, down to Delaware, and really the entire Northeast, and including Puerto Rico, too. Okay. And so we're talking about members who are really working in manufacturing, right, in a variety of different industries, at least what we're going to talk about today related to climate change. Correct, yeah. And and, and I think there is there is a little spot to talk about public sector workers, too, right, and, and some of the challenges they face and making sure that we're protecting communities and, and, and encompassing all workers, really. So earlier uh, in the week, or a few days ago, before we spoke with you, we sat down with our president, Mario Salento, and kind of got an overview of how important it is for labor to be at the table when we're addressing climate change and to have those labor standards and protections in place. And he mentioned that, too, with um, public employees. So maybe we should just start there. You yep. know, what are your concerns for your members, steel workers, when it comes to jobs for public employees who are, are in these industries related to climate change? Yeah, and the steel workers represent, really, we we like to say cradle to grave. Um, we represent nurses and we represent casket makers. We represent cemetery workers and really everything in between, including public sector workers. Um, manufacturing is, of course, you know, on, on the target list here and, and what we're going to talk about. But, you know, we, we need to make sure when we're talking about climate change that it's all encompassing, right? And, and we're talking about working class people as a whole. Um, if, if we see manufacturing go away, what does that do to the teachers? What does that do to the public service workers? What does that do to roads and bridges? Um, and it's almost the law of unintended consequences, right, where if we make a change here, what's it going to mean four steps down the line and, and making sure that we're looking at the broad scope, which is why we work so well with, with the New York State AFL-CIO. It's the broad view that, that gets looked at. What are some of the things, uh, you know, we're right across the street from the legislative office building. I know you've been out at lobbying legislators. You've had your members out there, which is so important that they see them, right, and they see that solidarity. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you're talking about trying to get your points across that's important to include in these uh, the climate change policies that are under consideration? Yeah, we've had a great week here in Albany. We have uh, about 100 steelworkers in, uh, mostly from New York State, but really from the Northeast also to do lobby day. Um, and, and we're talking about ensuring that New York State, the Northeast, and, and really the country still has manufacturing. Manufacturing has good-paying generational union jobs, and we, we need to ensure that. And we're not just looking at it from a jobs perspective either. We, we, you know, we are a founding partner of the Blue-Green Alliance. We are at the forefront of environmental issues with the United Steelworkers. 
and it's really multifold for us. So when, when we take a look at, at, at climate change and we take a look at polluters, right, our, our members are at ground zero. Um, our members work 8, 10, 12 hours a day in, in these settings. And, and then they turn around and they go back to the communities that, that are being polluted too. And for us, it has to be all-encompassing. We have to be taking care of our members. The, the backbone of the labor movement is health and safety, health, safety, and environment. And, and we need to make sure that when they go home, they, they are protecting their families as well too. So how do we do that? I, I think common sense climate change with an eye towards keeping manufacturing, ensuring that these generational jobs that we've talked about are able to survive and thrive. We talk about, you know, Buy American, the, the reason I was on the podcast the last time. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about making things here environmentally responsible so we're not seeing leakage to other countries or other states that don't have the environmental laws that, that New York State does. You mean so that if it wasn't done here, if it's done somewhere else... What are we doing to the environment? Right. So we're, we're taking care of a problem here in New York State, mm-hmm. but we may be creating a problem, again, someplace else. So how do we do it to, to keep manufacturing base here? And, and I think that's through technology. I think that's through innovation. And, and it doesn't have to be a jobs or environment scenario. I think it could be a jobs and environment scenario. And then what, um, you know, I know you also talk a lot about um, not only the good paying union jobs, when we're, if there's new jobs to be created mm-hmm. with new technologies, but also uh, the importance of the domestic supply chain, right? Correct. Yep. Um, and, and that's where we have, you know, a great experience. And our members make almost the entire supply chain for offshore wind. We make glass and corn in New York. We make brass and copper in Buffalo, New York, where I spent 17 years of my career. It, all of that feeds into the domestic supply chain. So how do we look and say, how do we make these facilities as environmentally responsible as we can? while allowing companies to still be able to survive in this environment and then add also to a much better environment. So we talked a little bit before we were talking about, you know, the community. When you have your members who are working, they live in the community, they can also feel the effects of any kind of pollution that's going on. So they want that environment to be better as well. But it even goes beyond that um, risk to the community, right? Talk to me about that a little bit. It does. Um, You know, let's let's take uh, a factory in upstate New York. Um, they may be the, the biggest uh, taxpayer in the community. And if those jobs and, and that tax base goes away, talked a little bit about it earlier, what happens to the teachers? What happens to the roads? What happens to, you know, government services, trash, trash collection when the tax base is going away? And, you know, I, I think we need to be in a spot where we're looking at rural communities, uh, communities that have been built around manufacturing, and current disadvantaged communities and saying, what are we doing to help protect these communities and, and, and help them help them to be in a situation to, to thrive in, in the new economy, not putting them further behind and, and not putting their families further behind. You know, being from Buffalo, I live 10 minutes away from the former Bethlehem Steel site. Mm-hmm. Now, I was a kid when that when Bethlehem Steel closed. And I, I remember the devastation. I, I remember the, the news reports of, you know, what's going to happen to schools and are we going to have to consolidate? Are we going to have to put more kids in classrooms? How are people going to feed their families? And then I think there's a direct correlation to um, other other factors around alcoholism and suicide that that we need to make sure that if, if we have a chance to help prevent those types of situations, that w- then I think we absolutely should. 
So we, we talked a little bit about the importance of getting members, you know, involved in talking to the legislators because they have these concerns. They might come to you, yes. but now you're saying, hey, good, take that message, you know, across the street in this case here. Um, how did that go? I mean, did they were they able to share personal stories? I mean, I'm just wondering how that was able to resonate with these legislators and what that was like. Anytime we can have rank and file members in, in front of their elected representatives, I think is wonderful. Um, they are the people who experience it firsthand. They are the people who have to feed their families. And, and we're very lucky here in New York where we have a lot of open doors to be able to have those conversations. So what we've done is we've been here really the balance of the week. Um, we come in. We do a couple, a day or two of training on what it means to lobby. We have a lot of new members. We have a lot of young members who are excited. Um, and, and then we, we take them to the Capitol and, and we set up the meetings for them. And they have the knowledge base. This isn't, you know, Dave Wazur or, or District 4 Director Del Vitale walking in saying, hey, our members are at risk. These are people saying my job is at risk, my livelihood. You know, I, I want to send my kids to, to school. What, what am I going to do? And, and you can see... You can see how that changes the tone of meetings when, when it becomes that personal. And, and I think that's the key to what the labor movement does. So the bottom line is uh, the message that, you know, this can be done. We can make mm -hmm. this kind of transition, but we can't just, um, you know, stop and start, right? We've got to figure out how we that's cross right. over and, and be all-inclusive and with training and new technologies and and that, that that's the way, right way to do it. Well, I know this is not the first time you've been here with us. I hope it won't be the last. Um, it's nice to see you again and have you here in person, Dave. It's great to be here. And um, any final thoughts on what we can do for anyone listening or watching to help you get your message across? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of um, education. I think there is a, a lot of learning for both sides. And this is a time for, for every worker across New York State to say what's going to make sense for the future of my, of my family environmentally and, and, and working also. And, and just keep having those conversations. Okay. Well, we plan to do that here. Thanks, Thanks Dave. Thank Thanks very so much. much. Joining me on the podcast is our communications and campaigns coordinator, Liz O'Neill. Hi, Liz. Hi, Darcy. Uh, you know, the more we keep talking about how we're going to address climate change, um, we realize just how many challenges there are. And some of that has to do with just making sure we don't, you know, decimate these communities and these jobs. Yeah, we have to be really thoughtful about this. There are a lot of pitfalls, a lot of, uh, you know, room for unintended consequences to set in. And we have to be very careful um, to make sure that our workforce is up and running and ready and trained, um, you know, before we start shutting down businesses and, you know, uh, shutting people out of jobs. Yeah, and manufacturing is, is such a strong industry and that we depend on here in the state. So it was good to hear that um, Dave and, and many of his members were across the street and talking to lawmakers, you know, one-on-one -on -one to put a face on this, what it could mean. Yeah, this is really important, really important that we get this right. So we're going to um, have our next podcast, which is going to be coming out. We're going to talk about thermal energy networks, which we've both been learning a lot about. And it's really just fascinating. And really, that shows um, a great opportunity of how we can transition over to a new energy source and do it while still uh, maintaining and creating good middle-class jobs. Yeah, it's really exciting stuff. Um, it's going to be a good one. All right. Thanks, Liz. Thanks, Darcy. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary-treasurer is Terry Melvin. 
where a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State unions strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysaflcio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.